0: Boy, talk about overcoming challenges. (laughs) I'm just sitting up here in amazement. Well, first of all, I think what happened there is uh, earlier in the week, you see Carol, she's real diligent, and she'll email you if you're preaching and want to know what the songs are for the week. And I gave her two songs. She comes here on her own time, and she practices those. Later in the week, when I emailed the bulletin editor, I think I gave her two different songs than I gave Carol. (laughs) Carol went ahead, and she wanted to play an extra verse. Bless her heart. Number two, uh, my printer went out at home. I couldn't print my sermon, so I had to type it up, email it to myself, so I could pull it up on my phone. So if you see me fumbling around up here a little bit today, um, I'm doing that off my uh, little screen of my phone. Uh, Challenges. welcome back, Neil. Good to see you. And to come up here and find out, you know, you're booked for special music, and uh, you lost your music and you do that a cappella. Praise God. I think I would have came up here um, just like Katie did, and I would have said, you know guys, the, the music didn't work out this week, I'll catch you next time. <laughs> Instead of doing an acapella, I would have done like exit stage left. How many of you believe that the Bible is good to be used as instruction for our lives? Amen. How many of you believe that Jesus perfectly demonstrated what God's will looks like in practical application? Do you trust your body in God's hands? I like how the answers kind of taper off each question I ask. (laughs) It's like I was getting you to sign a document or something. Like, all right, he's he's getting at something. He's about to walk us straight into a message. Um, We're going to talk about something today that I believe has... Become maybe a lost concept or a lost art, if you will. And it might get a little bit uncomfortable in here. But how many of you think a little discomfort's okay? How many of you think conviction is good? Do we like it? No. But is it good for us? Yes. You know, God says we we need to be like children. I think we're like children when, when it comes time for, for discipline or accepting uh, truth as it is. And we're asked about that, we're like, yes. (laughs) As SDAs, what are some of the messages that we bring that are are unique from other denominations? Christ's soon return, the second coming? The sanctuary? Seventh-day Sabbath? What else? Health. Very good. The health message. Well, today I've got a short message to remind us of something that I'm I hope we haven't forgotten, and that is fasting. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Again, to be able to worship here freely. I think we take that for granted some weeks. But it is such a blessing, Father. Let us recognize that. Let us recognize the blessing to be able to gather as camp meeting approaches. And Lord, we thank you for the ability to come here. To worship you first and foremost, but also to experiencing the convicting power of your word and the cleansing power of your blood. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, good, you're still here. After I said fasting, I was a little bit worried. So, what is fasting? It's listed mostly as going without food, or I maybe mean, going with certain types of food for a time, isn't it? You've heard of, heard of fasting. Some people, well, we'll get to that later. Uh, But fasting is, more importantly, I think, is a voluntary, private, spirit-led separation from one's usual activities in life. Does that activity sound familiar to you? I'll read that again. Spirit-led separation from one's usual activities in life. What's today? It's kind of a fasting, maybe, isn't it? We do away with some of the things that we do in everyday activity of life. Uh, Typically, it's practiced individually by members in church body, by means of separating certain foods and liquids from one's diet. The Old Testament practice of fasting was closely linked with the spirit of mourning over a national crisis, for example. And the prophets often called Israel to a fast as a means of producing repentance. Another uncomfortable thing for us, isn't it? Repentance. So in the eyes of Jesus, what was proper fasting? See, unfortunately, fasting became much of a formality. You know, we as humans, we do that with everything, right? Something happens or something we want to celebrate or do. And we make an event out of it and a celebration. And then maybe we do it again next year and next year and next year. And after a while, it just becomes something you just do. And the meaning is kind of lost. Can any of you think of an event that we still talk about today that has to do with fasting that you think has become somewhat of a formality? Anybody can name one? I was so used to you answering. I just wanted to keep going. You want to come up here? No? Okay. I was raised Catholic up to, up until I was about 12 years old, and uh, we called it Lent. How many of you heard of Lent? Familiar with that? Most people are. Um, a couple things with, say, Lent, not to pick on Lent, but that type of thing where it has become, it's kind of drifted away from its original meaning. Uh, first of all, the fact that it's kind of become a, a formality. I mean, as practiced... It probably doesn't bring a lot of the benefits that fasting does. Most people you hear, they, they give up something like, ah, uh, I'm going to give up chocolate for Lent or something like that. And, uh, and maybe they still snatch a little bit here and there. Like, well, I don't eat as much as I used to. I'm still giving up what I used to. I'm not eating as much, you know. But it doesn't have that cleansing, healing power that true fasting does. It often doesn't include prayer. Fasting is often associated with prayer. We'll talk a little bit about that later. And it's, it's that type of thing is, is kind of been made to become an outwardly thing. You know, we all talk about, like, God, oh, what you giving up for Lent. I mean, we don't celebrate Lent, but, you know, people around us, you, you hear about it. And when I was growing up, you'd hear that. And, you know, they all talk about, oh, I'm giving up this, I'm giving up that. Or maybe towards the end, oh, so how have you done? Oh, well, you know, maybe they gave up something pretty decent. The good thing about it is at least it gets people in that thinking mode. Sacrifice. Depriving yourself of, of something that you're used to having. Feeling maybe a little bit of pain in the in the sense of trying to do without. And they get towards the end, they're like, Oh, yep, tomorrow's it. its the last day, and I made it boy my troop. You know. Kind of takes away the the spiritual, the spirituality and the importance of when Jesus had fasted for the forty days. But you see, Jesus rejected the outward accompaniments of fasting, as well as the external things the Pharisees did to draw attention to themselves when they fasted. Jesus spoke against that, didn't he? Matthew 6, verse 16. Jesus says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees that it is done in secret, will reward you. I think Jesus makes it clear that fasting is a, very, is a very spiritual thing. It's meant to be personal. Would you say it's meant to be healthy? Cleansing? You sure about that? How many of you heard people tell you, "Ah, you got to eat more than that? you got to be good and healthy. you got to get some meat on your bones. You don't look very healthy. I've been told that a couple times. I used to kind of take offense to that because people told me I didn't look healthy because I was... Well, they thought I was thin. And uh, I'm like, you know, to me, I'm like, well, I kind of thought I was being healthy by, you know, whatever, this and that. And they're like, well, you don't look healthy at all. You need some meat on your bones. (laughs) How and when is fasting used? We mentioned one of them. Kind of have a list here. We use it for preparing for surgery, don't we? I never understood exactly why, but I'm sure it has to do with your body being somewhat cleaner. Uh, maybe your your blood being a little bit better quality while they operate on you for a better chance of success. How about weight loss? You heard of be- fasting be used for weight loss? How many of you have heard of Biggest Loser? I, when I first heard that name, I thought it was kind of offensive. Your biggest Loser usually doesn't imply something positive, but they're referring to weight loss. How many of you had programs at work having to do with weight loss contests? Anybody? Not many of you. Uh, about a year ago, uh, where I work, they had a <clears throat> biggest weight, lo- uh, weight loss program. And, uh, you know, a little competition. They run it for uh, a month or so. And uh, this time it was structured where it was built in teams. And see, our company, we have, we have different customers, and each customer has its own little factory that we develop. And so the teams were split up in factories. We had the Honeywell factory, the GE factory, and, and so forth. And so each person who decided to participate, they were on the team that that they worked with. Not everybody had to participate. You could sign up. And as far as individual recognition... Every two weeks, whoever had the greatest weight loss won an award for that two-week period. And so, when people asked me with some sort of a grin on their face, "Hey, Gary, you joining up?" I said, "Yeah, I just signed up, actually." <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? I said, "Well, I'm going to lose weight." They said, "Where?" <laughs> Friends, I think we all have weight to lose, don't we? I think physically we do. There's some people that don't. They're 1% body fat. They're, they're extremely high-performance athletes, and, and really it probably wouldn't be healthy for them to lose weight. But all in all, we all carry a certain amount of fat, or a certain amount of toxins that could be scrubbed away and worked on. Talk a little bit more about cleansing in a second. But I felt I had weight to lose. Now I wear, you know, pretty baggy clothing. You can't see them under the suit. But I've got weight to lose. I know I've got a little layer that I could shed, that could come off. And I know that that little bit of padding in there Carry some toxins. Well, I want to get rid of that. Two weeks later, when I won the award for that two week period, <laughs> the same people that asked me what I was going to do in this competition asked, How did you do it? And I told them, I said, Extreme portion control. You see, if I said anything else, I said, Oh, well, you starved yourself. That's cheating. You know, you're supposed to do like us where you can still eat whatever you want and sneak this and that and then, um, and then uh, wear different clothes when you get on the scale the next week so you're later, you know. <laughs> I had lost 13 pounds pounds those two weeks. And let me tell you, <clears throat> I, I felt phenomenal. Try it. Um, cleansing. It's another, another way we use fasting. It has cleansing power by the way, before stepping back, when I said we all have weight to lose, we have weight to lose spiritually, don't we? Our sins. We could stand to have some of that scrubbed off. And it's neat how we compare Sabbath to fasting. It's a time away from the world, our normal activity. A time of starving ourselves of the junk we might fill ourselves with during the week. Or just be exposed to through our, our normal daily activity, through our jobs or whatever it is you encounter, where you go. So weight loss. So Cleansing. Some of you, or most of you, probably know that breakfast is made up of the words, break fast. Because you spend the night, essentially, fasting, and then you break that fast in the morning when you eat. Some of us. Some of us don't get to breakfast. Some of us, breakfast is some unhealthy beverage, very bad for you. Should I say the name, make you more uncomfortable? Is it coffee? Coffee, bad? Caffeine, bad? Caffeine, bad? You can yell at me later. I'll take it. But cleansing, several studies have been done. You can can look up anywhere. And nowhere, I don't believe, you're going to find a credible study that's going to tell you, well, we've studied the benefits of fasting and really didn't find any difference between somebody who fasted and somebody who didn't. You're going to find studies out there that conflict with each other about what the benefits are. But they all agree that it's beneficial. It's highly beneficial. In fact, the only time your body has a chance to clean, is when it's not handling new food. So if we're always eating, or we're always snacking, we're always grazing on something, your body's handling that. It doesn't get to get to the rest. They say your body enters fat-burning mode at 12 to 13 hours. I would ask you how many of you have fasted before, how long you've fasted for, but as we talked before, you shouldn't be a real public thing, so I don't want to get you in trouble. (laughs) But try it. See, because the less you're eating, the more focused you are. Fasting has been known to heighten alertness, intensify fervor. And you might be in, in need of filling up with something, and so you drink water. And let me tell you, I, I couldn't believe how deprived of water my body was until I had fasted. Because I was, oh boy, I was drinking water like crazy then, because I wanted to fill up on something. Glass after glass I was drinking, and, and also my, my skin felt good and tight. My skin is either usually really dry or really oily. It wasn't either. I felt like I was more springy. I could take on the world. I was more nimble. I was more clean. Let me tell you about another type of fasting. (laughs) So fasting has the effect of of intensified uh, focus, increased fervor. Somehow, when I'm going to prepare for a sermon, I can never nail one down in advance. It just can't be done. I start thinking of topics. I grab this one, I throw it out. I grab it back, I throw it out. I pick a different one. I never settle on anything until the week of. Then I come, out, I come upon a topic usually. And I don't know if this is Lord-willed or not. It just kind of happens and I can't stop it. So I usually come to the end of the week, um, like this morning. <laughs> and let me tell you, so what am I fasting on? My time. I'm doing without time. And I can tell you for sure that my focus is elevated I have increased fervor and intensity when I'm working on that sermon, and suddenly things come clear. You see, because I don't have the luxury of of all that information being there for me already. I have to seek it out. I have to search for it. I don't know where it's going to come from. I I rely on prayer and spiritual inspiration to bring me what God might want me to say. Much like when we're fasting from food, we don't know where our next meal might come from, or at least maybe your body is feeling that way. You start to focus on on things that you start to become more appreciative of things that are usually provided for you. You start to realize how maybe good and comfortable you were when you were eating. How often does God tell us that we operate the best and we're the most comfortable? Are we taught that? Are we taught that we're given trials and tribulations? Are we taught that conviction and, and going without is good? I think we are. God never wants us to be idle, does he? We all know that things enter into our lives they come and go sometimes it's a means of a means of getting us up and moving here's a special one a way that fasting is used do you know that the early believers included included fasting as a needful prerequisite before releasing the early missionaries for ministry we talked about being ready to do the lord's work we need to be happy and healthy in order to do that you guys all agreed before i got you all to agree that God wants us to be happy and healthy, and that we trust God with our body, don't we? He wouldn't want us to be harmed. Fasting isn't harmful. You can bring it to a harmful point. But it is very good for us. And they used it, again, to prepare people for ministry. In fact, as mentioned in early times, that they prepared people for ministry through fasting first, I was, I was a bit fascinated when I, when I found this. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, if you want to turn there with me. Acts chapter 13. In verse 2, it talks exactly about what we were just saying. And while I know that fasting was a spiritual thing, is a spiritual thing, I never knew that it was actually used to prepare necessarily for ministry. Acts thirteen verse two: While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, "Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I for the work to which I have called them." So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Now here's what's interesting. I don't know if you knew this or not, but I caught this during the preparation of the sermon this morning matthew chapter 4 if you want to turn there with me please matthew chapter 4 did you know that jesus did the very same thing we all know he fasted there's a couple other points i want to bring on here too matthew chapter 4 what happens in matthew chapter 4 there some of you have headings in your bible that tells you what happened there Temptation of Jesus. Very good. Let's read that. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. By the way, do you know the Greek for tempted was also tested? That's an interesting point. Fasting is a way, perhaps, of of God running a test on us. How many of you believe we're headed for some troubled times? How do you know whether you're in school or whether you're on a project or whatever it is? How do you know whether or not you're doing well? You're tested. You go maybe to the hospital for something, or maybe a routine checkup. You're tested. How do we know how well we're doing for preparing ourselves for the end times? So Jesus endured a test. And I'm fascinated but what I'm fascinated by what he was being tested for. We'll continue reading on in verse three. I'm sorry, in verse two, after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the son of God, Held these stones to become bread. Naturally Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. So he snatched the Bible out of Jesus' hands and quoted back to him. Maybe not physically or literally, but the devil knows the Bible just as well as we do, so how important is it that we know it very, very well? He counters Jesus with the Bible. He says, well, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him back. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And the devil continues to to offer him a kingdom and vast lands and tempt him in other ways. And Jesus orders him away, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What comes after that? The devil left him. What comes after that? Very well. Fast-forwarding a little bit in Jesus' life, what comes next? His ministry. I never put that together. You know, sometimes you read through the Bible and you hear the stories, you kind of block it off by stories, like, okay, that's when Jesus was tempted. Okay, now he's starting to preach. I never put the two together, that Jesus also went through a fasting to prepare for the ministry. He was being tested, wasn't he? Tempted, Greek, tested, right? And here he is, in the very next part, Jesus begins to preach. By the way, it continues on in chapter 4, in verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. The first word there, repent. In conclusion... Fasting should never be viewed as a merit-producing, manipulative, or in any other way an act of bargaining with God. The object of fasting is not to move God in closer alignment with us or our will, but rather to draw us in closer alignment with God and his will. There are many circumstances that properly call for a fast. When sensing the urgency for revival, when deeply convicted over the sinfulness of the people of God, when desiring to separate more fully from the world and be joined more closely to God. When recognizing the need for a stronger faith to lay hold of the promises of God. When attempting, when anticipating a special opportunity for ministry. We just talked about that. And when wanting to intensify devotion. How many of you think it's important to uh, intensify devotion? I certainly feel the need. You know, oftentimes preachers are up here and uh, <laughs> they're talking about themselves. They're talking on a topic that, uh, that either they feel they need strongly, like myself, or that they have a lot of experience and because they've had a lot of trouble in that department on their own. I certainly feel the need to fast, and I hope you do too. Above all, fasting should be done with a pure heart and a desire to honor God and help all others. The reason why I figured fasting would be a little uncomfortable is because as a society, it's tough for us to do without. We look at the wealth and the amenities that we have, We're always used to having a shelter over us. We look at what the weather is outside and hope that the outside of our shelters don't get damaged or our cars or whatever. We know that food's gonna be there on the table. We just we just have to argue over the decision of where we're gonna go and eat. Lots and lots of comfort. And when it comes to doing without that, people kind of take the defensive side sometimes. Wow, well I gotta eat. It's been three hours since I I gotta have something. You got to eat more than that to be healthy? Well, you just can't skip lunch, or you just can't skip dinner, or you got to eat something. Says who? Who told you that? Certainly we have to eat something. Uh, You know, a friend of mine and I went to see a guy by the name of Dr. Bud Hawkins over in Fond du Lac. Fascinating man. Long story short, his childhood, he's basically a His parents basically gave him a medical book and said, you're going to be a doctor when you grow up. And that's what he did. He just read through those pages. And he's a phenomenal man. He uh, had all sorts of things to say about things related to health and how to do it without medication. I remember some of the things he talked about. Um, He mentioned the harms of certain kinds of deodorant, for example, that some of it has aluminum in it and how toxic that can be, etc., and somebody asked, well, you know, what do you do about body odor? He said, well, if, you're, if you have body odor, check your colon. He talked about water. How many of you like to have a lemon in your water? Some of you do. I go on and off with that. It depends on, depends on how I'm feeling that day. It's not a bad thing. It's not an abomination. But he talked about, he said, water, when you put a lemon in it, your body treats it like food and not water. I thought that was kind of interesting. And... Um, one thing I was fascinated with, and it was inspiring to me, and I've I've tried to practice some of these things as I went along, he said he lives on one meal per day. Could you do that? One meal a day, every single day for the rest of your life. Could you do it? Right now, maybe not. It'd be very hard. You'd be very hungry. You'd have headaches here and there. They say those headaches sometimes are from your body running in and grinding into some of those toxins finally. You're going to experience some of that stuff coming up, and you're, it's going to cause headaches. But... Eventually, one meal at a time, you slowly eliminate one meal at a time each day, and you can get there. I took a shot at that for a while, and um, I much enjoy trying to at least limit or push earlier the time that supper comes through so you're good and digested in time for, for sleeping where you're doing that fast, that fast that everybody gets. And it, it's, it's extremely beneficial, but you can do it. You can get yourself used to that you watch weight fall off. Your health will improve. Like I said, you might start filling that food in place, uh, using water in its place. Just phenomenal with it. Learned so much from that guy, Dr. Dr. Bud Hawkins. And uh, he had all sorts of good things to say about stuff we can do naturally, the benefits of fasting, how to really take care of ourselves without the need for, meduca- um, for medication, etc. How do you feel when you fast? Why is it kind of a yucky thing for us? I mentioned a few of them. Headaches? I get hunger headaches. You guys get hunger headaches? You those sometimes? How else do you feel? Anybody? Shaky? Dizzy? Yeah? An NBA basketball player, uh, they knew him as, as Mello. His name was Carmelo something. I didn't jot down his name. Uh, but him and another gentleman uh, were reported to have been on a, a fast, a rather extensive fast. And they weren't taking a break while doing this. They were still playing basketball. And uh, it was noted that they started their games off pretty slow. And um, the fascinating part is, is by the end of the game, they're still matching the stats that they always put up on the board, even though they were fasting. And they they interviewed them afterward, and they said, yeah, you know, it's difficult finding energy during these fasting times, but I'll get through it. And, uh, you know, these professional athletes, who obviously take very good care of their bodies for the most part, high-performance machines... They're fasting. You see a lot of documentary in and, and magazines and on the Internet. It's actually kind of a rave right now about IF. It stands for intermittent fasting, where you fast for a day, and then you eat normally for a couple of days, and you fast for another day. Maybe fast one or two times a week, but fasting at all, the benefits, your body gets to spend some time cleaning, and boy, do we need it. Just like the Sabbath, we get to spend some time cleaning spiritually, and boy, do we need it. You want to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9. We're going to close with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9. And from what we just talked about, what he said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness." Amen. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you so much again for the convicting power of your word and the cleansing power of your blood. Lord, may we recognize the tools that are available and the ways that you would have us prepare ourselves for your ministry. Help us to work towards living more happy, healthy lives so we may have more ability to enjoy what you've given us, but more importantly, use that time and energy to be looking to do work for you. Father, thank you again for this blessed Sabbath day, a type of fasting for us from the world, all the evils, all the stress, to worship you, Father, and seek what we are to do for the coming week. Praise pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.